This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Brought to you by Scott's. And good morning. It's Robbie Lane filling in for Frank Proctor this morning on AM 740 and Charlie Dobbin and the Garden Show. Uh, we're expecting a lot of calls today, Charlie. I bet you because of all that uh, dry weather we've been having. I think you're absolutely right. Um, Robbie, I, your um, mic sounds funny. Yeah, it does. Oh, oh maybe there that. it is. Oh, that's better. I had it turned around, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll figure yeah. it out. Yeah, I'm not used to this mic. This is a garden show mic. That's correct. Yeah, it's so different. It's, it's different than the one I use. Dirt really throws you off, don't you <laughs> yeah. find? It's kind of mucky and. <laughs> well, I should tell the people who want to call and ask you questions. Mm. The phone numbers here are 416-360-0740 and uh, toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. So, Charlie, it's Thank been a while. You. It's l- a whole year since I, I worked with say, you. I was going to say, it's very exciting to have you here. How are things? How things, been, things are good. You've been busy, crazy. I've been really busy doing a lot of radio here and mm-hmm. playing with the band The Disciples mm-hmm. and having fun. You just never stop. I try not to. <laughs> what do they say? You stop, you die, right? Well, yeah. Keep going. I, I don't want to do that. No, not, not at all. Yet. You're not, no. You don't look no. like you're nearly ready for that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so must be about, the makeup. <laughs> good. It's, you know, makeup for radio. It's my favorite. Yeah. And um, so tell me about your gardening. Have you been doing any? Not a lot uh, this year. I've had so little time. And um, in fact, things got so crazy during that time that we had the heavy rainfall through June. When it rained every day. And it was cold. I kept saying, I'm going out to trim the hedges mm. and all of the stuff that had to be done. Well, it rained every day. Yeah. So yeah. I didn't do it. And finally, it got out of control. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of friends of mine who came over and helped ha- oh, me. Oh, yeah. Because there's done. a lot to cut. Well, so, yeah, because don't you have a huge cedar hedge? Yes. Yeah, and the lot is 240 deep. Right. So there's a lot of mature trees and hedges and bushes and all kinds of stuff. And you're absolutely right. And with all that rain, not only could we not get out there and garden, but the plants were taking advantage of all that moisture and growing like crazy. Yeah. And now they could use the water. Oh, couldn't they? Yeah. Oh, there's some parched-looking plants out there and cracked earth. There are parched-looking people out there, too. <laughs> not to mention. <laughs> uh, you know what? I've been very spoiled. The last few days, I was at two different cottages, one on Great, Lido- Great Rito Lake, just outside Perth, near Ottawa, mm-hmm. for a couple of days. And then from there, I went to Muskoka. I was on Ferry Lake for a couple of days. So I'm just oblivious to all this, you know, heat. And I keep hearing about this heat and humidity, but I've been, you know, lakeside. Yeah, you've been in the water. Exactly. You know, tubing and barbecuing and, you know. Oh, you poor thing. Libations galore. <laughs> you know me. Yeah, exactly. It was it was not too tough. Well, lucky for you, the mm. air conditioning's working in this building today. Yes. Because for two days, it really wasn't. Ugh, so it was pretty, pretty bad in here. Yeah, I But bet. it's good today. Well, we just strip, right? When that happens, you know. It, you, it yes, is radio, I've heard right? that you do. And <laughs> I've, I noticed Frank wore a thong one week. So that, <laughs> scared, that scared me. He got down to his Speedo once, if you can believe it. <laughs> <laughs> it was really scary. 
<laughs> but I didn't look. I kept my eyes covered. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, a couple of quick announcements before we uh, we get to some of our callers. Heads up, just to remind everybody, Thursdays, every Thursday from 3 until 9 p.m., the Toronto Botanical Gardens is hosting an organic farmer's market, which is kind of fun. Of course, alongside the market is music, mm. music in the garden. This past Thursday in the heat, it was a um, military band, and of course, they were going to march through the gardens while in the heat. They just said, forget that. Yeah. Did the whole thing inside in an air-conditioned space, and I guess it turned out way better than people, you know, dropping down of heat exhaustion. Yeah. So that this past Thursday was a bit of an odd when it was indoors, but it is typically outdoors every Thursday, weather permitting, and uh, so it's fun. And there's a cafe, there's good food, so a nice place to go on a Thursday if you need some fresh air and get, get away from some concrete. Um, new, uh, this is fun as well. Every Tuesday night from 5 until dusk, the gardens of Casa Loma are open free of charge to the public. Wow, that's good. So you, the gardens can be accessed via the garden gate at the side of the building, not the main doors. Right. right. So the building is shut. Gardens are open. You can take a private guided tour. Uh, the Toronto Botanical Gardens has just finished training a whole bunch of volunteers, and they are now offering group tours for 10 or more people through these historic gardens. You can book a private tour. It's $8 per person by calling John Bertram, if you're interested, 416-397-1366. And speaking of botanical gardens, the Royal Botanical Gardens in Burlington mm-hmm. is hosting, a, it's called Magic and Mischief. How fun does that sound? It's an enchanted garden weekend at RBG. Excuse me, next weekend. So calling all elves, fairies, pixies, and trolls (laughs) next weekend. Uh, all day Saturday, Sunday, and Monday from 11 to 4 in Imagination Grove, Hendry Park. RBG uh, has all prepared for a weekend of magic and mischief. There'll be face painting, legends and lore, mystic quests, and much, much more. So go to rbg.ca for more information. And this is a special event for children of all ages who believe. Sounds good. Magic and Mischief should be the name of your autobiography. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thanks for that. Yeah, you're welcome. So, are we going to take a call? Yeah, I think that we'll just do, first we have to do our... We do a little break. And then we have someone who's been waiting online for quite a little while, Becker from Scarborough. And we'll uh, talk about irises that are dying for Becker Mm. right after we do this. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And good morning, Robbie Lane with you, uh, sitting in for Frank Proctor. The phone number is once again 416-360-0740 and 1-866-740-4740. And just before the break, we were talking about Becker from Scarborough, and uh, apparently irises are dying. And I think we have Becker on the line, don't we? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. What's going on with your irises? Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have iris (laughs) who die and they dry off. Okay. And are these the little dwarf irises? Are they the big? uh, 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 Variegated irises. Variegated. Okay. Not dwarf irises. So probably, okay, two things might be happening. How long have they been in that spot? Like years? Maybe maybe five, seven years, something. Okay. Have you ever done any lifting or dividing of the irises? 
no, I no. Okay, so one thing that ha- can happen. Okay, first, right off the bat, it could be a water issue. Irises love water. It's been very, very dry. So as the, you know, plants are suffering lack of water. They, the leaves will start to turn brown on the tips, and the brown will follow down from the top down yeah, to the bottom. Yeah. Of course, the irises are growing from a very strong root system. Mm-hmm. The roots will not die if the, even though the leaves are dying off. But when I take the dry leaves, the root is gone, too. Okay, so what I yeah. would suggest, and this is it's maybe a bit of a hot day to do this, but any day you can get out in the garden and do this, uh, I would do it any time now over the next week to two weeks, is to li- dig up all the irises mm-hmm. and then look at them. There could be something called iris borer. Yeah, they're rotting there, yes. Right, and that's an insect that yes. gets inside the root. Yes. Uh, it's actually a, not a nice insect at all. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's one of those ones you, know, you kind of love to kill because it, it gets in, it's a larva, it tunnels into the root, uh, it starts as a sm- very small little insect, but as it fattens up, eating up the, the rhizomes of the irises, yeah. it gets bigger and bigger and bigger till it's literally the size of a pencil, but it's pink. So it's very easy to see. It's a pale pink color. Yeah. When you dig up the irises, what you will do with a very sharp, clean knife is you will cut them up, only keep the pieces that have no evidence of damage mm-hmm. from borers. Mm-hmm. If there's any holes, any rot, any bugs, mm-hmm. compost or... L- preferably remove from the property the, any, any of that material. Mm-hmm. Re, but keep the good parts, uh, the solid, firm rhizomes, mm-hmm. but do not plant them back in the same spot. See if you can come up with a new location in the garden, full sun. Uh, just, you know, when you, when you plant irises, they don't go deep, so just almost on mm-hmm. the surface. Mm-hmm. But the time to do that is now. End of July, early August is the time to separate, dig up and separate our irises anyway. And borers, yes, once you've got them in the soil, they're there. So you've got to move your iris location in order to try and avoid the bugs for the future. Oh, I can't put anything in uh, from the... Uh, like uh, what kills stable or something, no? No, there's no. no insecticide that will kill that borer. There, there never was. It's a fumigation thing. You, you're not going to eliminate the insect, but certainly you can plant something else there. Something oh. that loves full sun and loves the conditions that the irises were in. Mm-hmm. No problem. Just don't put irises there. Oh. Okay, because yeah. the borers are very specific to one genus only. Oh, so, somebody said sand. I should put in sand in the ground more. Um, well, sand helps with drainage, and yeah. sand, of course, is abrasive, so it helps with some of those crawling insects. Oh, they like, yeah. We like to lacerate their bodies whenever possible yeah. and, and have their yeah. innards leak out. But, but no, it will not eliminate the, no. the borers. Oh, all right. All right. So is that uh, enough information for thank you, Becker? Thank you very much. Well, Good thank you for that. calling. Thank, thank you. You, you have right. a great weekend. Thank you. You too. Stay thank cool. You. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> wow, eh? Yeah. It's, uh, it's just one of those days. So guess we've got a special guest. We do. We do. In about 10 minutes or so, we're going to be joined with Sid Pell. He's the marketing manager for Scott's miracle Grow, and he's going to lead us on a tour of plant nourishment, which is going to be interesting. It will be. Feeding the plants. Feeding the plants. Very important. Very important. Yeah. And so why don't we just head off to one of our, our sponsored breaks, and we'll come right back and talk to Dorothy. Okay, let's do that. There are hundreds of sources for tips on gardening, but you need only one. The AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin continues. Brought to you by Scott's. And we are back, and Charlie Dobbin is sitting to my left, and we're waiting because Dorothy's been on the line for a little while, and I understand Dorothy is a 
and uh, she calls often. We do get regular calls from Dorothy, so we're always happy to get, hear what's going on in Dorothy's garden. That's right. Dorothy, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Well, I'll tell you, my garden is full of weeds. Oh, after all that rain we had, I'm not surprised. Yes, and I've also, my flowers that I've had all summer are now finished, including the... Um, the orange lilies that mm-hmm. I see people still have, but mine are all finished. Mm-hmm. And I've got so much leaves and clutter that I want to trim everything back. Mm-hmm. Can I do that? For sure. I mean, we call it deadheading when you take off the, the flowers that are past. I mean the leaves. No, if the, if the leaves have 50% or more green on the leaf, leave it alone. Because that leaf is still photosynthesizing and still feeding the plant by absorbing sunlight. Yes, if leaves are completely brown, like, for example, the orange lilies you mentioned, those are the day lilies. Yeah. Particularly when it gets dry, the outer leaves will turn yellow and brown and fall to the ground and be quite unsightly. So absolutely, yes. Get your gloves on, go in there, and just basically kind of rip and tear and grab, and a lot of the stuff will come up if it's dead. You know, just it'll just break right off the plant. So cleaning up, great idea. Uh, Deadheading, good idea. Also, like the lilies of the valley, they spread all over. Mm -hmm. And can I just dig them up or will I kill them? Well, no, you won't kill them. You may want to kill them, but you'll find that lily of the valley are very hard to stop the spreading of. They once once in there, they tend to be the plant that kind of overwhelms everybody else. Yeah. In the shade, though, they're nice. Like you, Robbie's nodding. Do you have well, lily? Lilies I tried years ago oh, to yeah. dig up lily of the valley mm-hmm. because it was just too many, yeah. and all I got were four times more I than I had before. More. That's right. <laughs> you just loosened the soil, and yeah. they grew like crazy. That's right. It's a lot more work than you'll ever actually do much achieving. The thing about lily of the valley is they'll grow nicely in the shade and look nice all through the summer. In the sun, uh, if it gets really dry or if they're in the sun, the leaves tend to get all mottled and yellow and very unsightly. So, yeah, they're not, not pretty at all. No. Yeah. Well, uh, the man I had that helped me in the spring digging up the ground also dug up my uh, bulbs for tulips mm-hmm. and um, stargazer and mm-hmm. things like that. And they're sitting in the, just by the lawn. Mm-hmm. If I plant them now, mm-hmm. they won't grow now. No. But they'll be all right to grow in uh, Next the spring. bloom in yep. the spring? Absolutely. Oh, yep. that's fine. Yeah, if it's a bit hot for a lot of this heavy garden work, you know, digging holes and stuff. But it's certainly perfectly nice weather for weeding. Uh, and even if you have a whippersnipper, if you've got a lot of weeds, don't let the flowers form. Don't let the flowers set seeds. So even if you can't get those weeds out of the ground because your ground is like concrete... Whippersnip the heads off those those uh, weeds, if nothing else, uh, or break them off, or whatever you know, hoe them off, because you really don't want that many more weeds coming up as soon as we get some rain. Yep. No, it's uh, I have a water sprinkling system. I oh, guess. okay. So you're not too dry where you are. No. Good. Yeah, uh, I try everything. Yeah, I know. You're a keen gardener. Well, good luck with okay. that. And definitely, yep, yeah, get clean up. Good garden hygiene is important, and the plants will feel better. They'll look better. Everything just works better that way. Right. Thank you ever so much. Thanks, Thank Dorothy. you, Dorothy. Bye. And uh, we got Mary from Brampton, right. who's been waiting online, and she's something. something's wrong with her calla lily. Mary? Mm. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. Morning. There you are. Here I am. <laughs> and Charlie's here for you, too. Great. Listen, I have a, a calla lily, you know, one of those horn-shaped flowers mm-hmm. that I planted in the garden. Everything's green. The foliage is green. The flower is green. 
What's oh. going on? Do I need to apply something to the soil? Well, okay, calla lily, they grow from a bulb like so many plants do. Uh, is this the first, was it a new bulb that you planted this past spring? Brand new. Brand new. And was it supposed to be white? It's supposed to be like like a gold or 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 deep burgundy. Oh. And several colors on, on oh, it. Oh, okay. And there's more than one bulb in uh, the package? Well, I planted two. I see one that's doing beautifully, yeah. but it's all green. It's all green. Is it, how much sun is it getting? Quite a bit. That's probably what's going on. Callas are very cool because you can put them in fairly low light, fairly oh. shady spots. Mm. And in a super high sun, what's probably happened... I mean, the, see, the, the other thing about calla lilies is that what we're calling the flower is actually a modified leaf. The, the flower is that little funny spath, the central bit of the spath. Yeah, it looks like a funnel. Exactly. So, But that, that outside part of the funnel is actually a modified leaf, and it can be pinks and purples and whites, yeah, but it can also gorgeous. be green, which is what you've got. You've just got it photosynthesizing. <clears throat> Don't worry. It's not, it may not be a permanent thing, but I, you, keeping in mind, calla lilies need to be lifted before winter. Understood. So you'll be doing that at the end of the season. Frost will come. You'll lift. You'll store for the winter. When you put it out next year, pick a spot where it's only getting dappled light or morning sunlight. And see if the color comes up different. I think you'll see that it will color differently in lower light. Okay, but right now there's nothing adding lime, doing anything to the soil won't, won't make a difference. Nope. You can paint the leaves. <laughs> <laughs> Spray paint. <laughs> it's, I mean, it looks so lush, but it's green. Yeah. You can't tell the calla lily from the leaves. Yeah, well, that's right. Well, and keep in mind, green is very trendy. I mean, there's a lot of the hydrangeas. Oh, no, no, I want color. <laughs> Okay. Give it a try for next year for color. For this year, I think you're just going to have to work with it. Right. Oh, I'm <laughs> okay. planted in a shady spot for next season. All right. Thanks for your call, Mary. Okay. Take care. Okay. okay. You too. I should probably uh, give out the numbers in, uh, another time. Three six zero zero seven forty in the 416 area. And if you're calling from out of town, one 866 740 We are coming up to... The following segment is sponsored by today's featured guest on the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. So we have a very special guest joining us, yes. Sid Pell. He's the marketing manager at Scott's miracle Grow. Good morning, Sid. Oh, Sid's not there. Sid hung up. Sid's gone back to bed. He gave up on us. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? He's gone out for coffee. <laughs> Hope he's getting one for us. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. Uh, with Dave busy crazy there, I will. Let me tell you about some, something that Ed Shepard, one of our consistent listeners, emailed me. Uh, he was out in the garden last week. They look like recipes. He, they are. He, um, what he's done is he obviously collects interesting recipes from the local paper, and it's the Metro paper, actually, and he just scanned a bunch of them and sent them to me. The one that really grabbed me was this one for kale. Do you ever, have you ever grown kale? I haven't, but I know what it is. Yeah, and you know, it's like super full of vitamins. Yeah. and new, It's like the best, minerals and vitamins. Yeah. And you know, I usually harvest my kale and we stick it in a stir fry and it's yummy. But this is even better because this is taking kale, uh, smearing it with olive oil and then baking it. Mm. Uh, you toss the kale with a bunch of oil, you spread it in baking sheets and it becomes like potato chips. It's like it's kale chips. Oh, I'm going to try it. Yeah, let I, me know. I will. This, like Ed sent me this recipe, so I'm definitely going to do it, and I'm going to let you know. And if it's really cool, maybe we'll post it on the on the website here at AM740. Sounds like a good idea. All right, so in the meantime, do, we do have Sid. Good morning, Sid. Good morning, Charlie. How are you? Great. How are you? Very good. This is Robbie Lane. Hey, Sid. How are you? Hello, Robbie. Robbie's mm. sitting in for Frank. Oh, great. Frank's on holidays. Is this Robbie Lane from Robbie Lane and the Disciples? Yes, Sid. Oh, wow. And that's I, one star I've seen for your you. I've many times. 
Well, thank you very much. <laughs> We're you. still out there. <laughs> so, Sid, you want you said your favorite thing or one of your your real things you love to talk about is plant nourishment and feeding plants. That is true. So, tell us, tell us what tell us about feeding plants. Should we be feeding them right now? Am I feeding my plants right now? Yeah. I, I'm always feeding my plants. I feed my plants with a uh, slow-release plant food, and then I top it up every now and then with a, uh, a quick-release. Oh, okay. So, so that's both in the ground and in containers? Definitely, yes. Huh. So let me uh, talk to you a little bit about plant food. And there's, I know that you've got a lot of avid gardeners out there and a lot of uh, flower gardeners out there, but a lot, of, a lot of people don't really think about feeding their plants. And uh, you know, the same way you, you know, if you have kids... You want to take care of them. You want to make sure that they get the nourishment they need. Well, right. plants get the nourishment from, from two main places. One is from the sunshine, of course, mm-hmm. and the photosynthesis, and that gives them a lot of energy. But the other, really, the main place where they get their nourishment is from the ground. And um, plants, um, plants, basically what they do is they pull the nourishment out of the ground from the soil. Mm-hmm. And the soil is what contains all the nourishment. Over time, microbes in the soil break down the nourishment into a form that the plants could actually eat, mm-hmm. and that gets ingested through the roots along with the water uptake into the plants, and mm-hmm. that's what helps them grow, helps them uh, you know, be strong, Thrive, helps yep. them produce fruit or flowers, depending on what type of plant it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but over time what happens is if you're, not, if you're not actually supplementing the natural nourishment from the soil with something else is that it eventually gets depleted. So over time, if you grow the same plant, the same flower, the same tomato, what have you, in the same spot, mm-hmm. there's not going to be enough nourishment in the soil to, uh, to feed it. Mm-hmm. And that's when, that's when you run into problems. That's when you run into plants that aren't performing quite as well as they, as they could be. But then isn't that why we tell people, you know, compost, add compost, um, topsoil, all those sort of good organic well, yeah. matter? Yeah, so compost and topsoil are great in adding back nourishments, and they're also really great in adding back what's called organic matter to mm-hmm. the soil, and that's extremely important. And um, even when we're when we're suggesting to consumers to or to people to to feed their plants with something like Miracle Grow, we also always suggest that they that they what's called amend their soil every season. Right. And that's basically adding back nutrients to the soil. So, and do you, I mean, people like to know how much, how much, amend, if, say, just we, every season, whether it's spring or fall, I'm adding organic material, how much am I adding? Well, a general rule of thumb is if, if you've got an existing garden and it's going well, add back at least an inch to two inches to three inches of amendment every season on top of your garden. Mm-hmm. So depending on how large it is, um, a general rule of thumb again is about two to three inches. I'd say mm-hmm. uh, if you're just starting out and you're you know you're in a new subdivision and you're starting a garden for the first time, chances are the soil that you're planting in isn't the greatest. Yeah, it's not optimal. Yes. Yeah. So in that case, I'd, I'd suggest adding quite a bit, at least mm-hmm. mix you know fifty fifty with the existing soil, mm-hmm. and then in the next few years keep adding an even higher amount than than you know the three inches. Right, so that gives us a good soil, a good substrate in which to grow plants, but then there's the additional nutrient that plants need that may not exactly. be available so, in all so, that soil. So the main problem, again, is, as I said, some microbes in the soil, these little tiny organisms, are what, what actually ingest what, what we know as the plant food. And the plant food is either you know, in a natural form, like in manure or in compost, mm-hmm. or in a synthetic form, like something, you know, like, like a miracle type product, where mm-hmm. it's... Where it's Added in in the foam of you know nitrogen, potassium, uh, phosphates, etc., 
it all it all gets ingested the same way. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is it takes the, these microbes a longer time to ingest the, the nutrients that are in a natural product. They're just it's just like eating a much you know a larger let's say a steak versus something much lighter like a like a power bar. Mm-hmm. So it takes it longer for them to do it. So they oftentimes can't supply the optimal nutrients to the roots of the plants. Right. And that's why we always recommend you know. Definitely, as I said before, definitely continue with adding, you know, manure is great, all, all of those other things for the organic matter, but to really ensure that you're getting the optimal nutrition for your plants, that's where you use something like a, like a plant food like miracle Grow or, mm-hmm. or another brand. Well, not something like, you mean miracle Grow said. <laughs> well, yes, I, you know, it, it so there, there is a difference in, in the plant foods. and, and uh, There is. There actually really there, is. There really is. When, yeah. when you take a look at the plant foods that are out on the market, I mean, there's different formats, which I'll get to in a moment. But just between the brands, the main differences really are in the formulation. Mm-hmm. So when you, see the, when you see the package, you'll see on the outside of it, you'll see the brand name, of course, and you'll also see three numbers on it, which mm-hmm. is NPK, mm-hmm. nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. So you'll see something like 24, 8, 16, let's say. Mm-hmm. And those numbers are kind of a little bit cryptic to a lot of people out there. <laughs> but what they essentially are saying is that's the, the N is the level of nitrogen. The second one is the P, which is pho- uh, phosphorus. And the third one is potassium. And what we like to do to simplify it, just what we say is up, down, all around. Mm-hmm. The, the N is to help the plants grow up. The, the P, the phosphorus, is what helps develop the roots. And the K just gives it the overall strength, the overall um, vitality of the plant. Mm-hmm. So those are the main ingredients. And pretty much, you know, Miracle Grow compared to other pl- plant foods all contain the same formulations. You know, we, we sometimes change it up. We, we do a lot of testing to determine the optimal ones. But then there's something in there called micro and macronutrients. Right. And those are what really uh, set apart the different ones. Those are little trace elements such as calcium, such as uh, magnesium uh, and a bunch of other little trace yeah, elements zinc, in yep. the proper blend mm-hmm. that really help drive the plants. And these are the things that often aren't found in your native soil. Mm-hmm. Or, in, or in a cheap fertilizer. Like or in a, a cheap low, fertilizer, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, no, that's one of the things I really do like about Miracle Grow. If you know, get out your magnifying glass and read the, the details, there's a million little micronutrients in there. And absolutely right, feeds the entire plant. Yeah. Exactly. Which yeah. Is and, great. And, I mean, Miracle Grow has been around for over 50 years now. Hmm. Uh, that every, long, eh? every few years, we actually make some minor refinements to it. We have a huge. I, I just, just came back from Marysville, Ohio, which is where the head office of, of the Scotts Miracle Grow company is. And I was in the testing labs just watching. It's like fields and fields and fields of test pots of different formulations of fertilizers, just trying to get the, the most optimal formulation out there. Yeah. And they were testing, of course, against competition, against mm-hmm. plant foods in, around the world, yeah. and just taking you know, the best that we can from each one of those and coming up with the greatest formulation. There's just a, you know, literally a whole floor of scientists <laughs> working on optimizing <clears throat> plant food. Do you know what I, I... Sorry, so just to interrupt for one second. What I really like is a product came out about two years ago called Liquifeed. Uh, yes. It's like a, it's like a bottle, a uh-huh. green light. It's not heavy, plastic nope. bottle. You attach it to this gizmo on your hose, and you stand there, and you spray it. It's so simple. Mm-hmm. Like, it's yeah. just, you can't get simpler than that. You know, no mixing required, no fooling around. Just hook right. it up to the hose and go. And it's, it's very effective. Because sometimes people say, should I be spraying my fertilizer on the leaves of my plants? Yes. Right? Yep. 
Well, there, there is some uptake through the leaves of mm-hmm. the plants. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it really is best to get it into the soil. So liquefied is great because, you know, you, you can water and feed at the same time, and it's the, it's the easiest way to do it by mm-hmm. far. Yeah. That's actually what I use in, in my backyard. Is I, I do put down a little bit of a slow release in the beginning of the season just to ensure, and there's some, you know, even, even I forget to fertilize sometimes. So that's sort of my, my insurance policy. Right. That, oh, if I miss a day or a week, yeah. um, that's not a problem. Yeah. With liquefied, you're supposed to feed your plants about every 7 to 14 days mm-hmm. with, with liquefied or just the, you know, the traditional blue, water-soluble, all-purpose mm-hmm. miracle Grow. also at 7 to 14 days. And really what you're doing with the liquefied is about the same thing as with the regular uh, miracle Grow, but it's just much more convenient. There's no mixing. Mm-hmm. You don't get the blue powder on your hand or anything like that. You mm-hmm. just take one of these bottles. It's, it's just like screwing a little water bottle into the back of a, right. of a feeder and you spray it on. Um, you don't even have to take the bottle out of the feeder when you want to just water it on those days between the, yeah. the feedings. You just switch the, the dial over to water, and it just pure water comes out. Right. Yeah. Very, very simple, very, very convenient, and uh, we're seeing a lot of consumers are, are loving that product. Yeah, I believe that. And those would be cons- considered synthetic fertilizers. And I guess the other thing that Scott's miracle Grow has been putting a lot of energy into is organic. Um, That's right. Obviously yeah, both controls, the, uh, but also fertilizers. Mm-hmm. We have a fairly new line called Organic Choice, Miracle mm-hmm. Grow Organic Choice Fertilizers, and that's for people who, who want a, a natural-based fertilizer. And uh, they, they work very well also, and again, they're also tested and very well developed. Mm-hmm. The problem with natural fertilizers, there, there's pros and cons of both. Uh, I prefer, I actually feed my, my garden, my flowers, and my vegetables with the synthetic fertilizer. And the reason why I do that is you could get a more optimal blend. You could actually get better results out of a synthetic fertilizer. Uh, when you're using a natural one, it's very difficult to get all those micronutrients into it to get the NPK up to a, a high enough level that's mm-hmm. making a big difference. Yeah, the much slower I, release. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. The other thing that I've learned is that plants can't distinguish between a natural and a synthetic fertilizer, nor can you when, you, when you know, when you're eating the food. All right. Um, what happens again is those microbes in the soil, they consume whatever the fertilizer is, be it from a natural or a, a synthetic source, mm-hmm. uh, and they don't distinguish between what they're eating. And then essentially what they excrete is what your plant ultimately ends up eating. Your mm-hmm. plant eats it either way, thrives, but what it is getting, it's just getting better, better and more of the foods that it needs. So... I have absolutely no uh, no qualms about it. There's no concerns about using it at all. Right. Again, the only the only main downfall of using a synthetic fertilizer is just that you're not um, you're not helping replace organic matter into the soil yeah. like you are if you're you know if you're feeding again with manure, compost, or, or which yeah. most of the um, most of the synthetic most of the uh, organic ones are essentially manure and a powdered form of some sort. Yeah. So, Sid, in, sorry, in 20 seconds or less, can you tell me two things? One is, when should we stop feeding? And number two, is there any plants we shouldn't be feeding at all even now? Well, again, with, with plant feeding, you want to start early in the season. You want to start right when you transplant. If you're bringing home flats from the, from the nursery, you want to make sure you give them a, a good start mm-hmm. with, with, a, with a shot of fertilizer. We have something called Quick Start, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. Yes, I've spoken about it before, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It helps them eliminate that transplant shock. Mm-hmm. Uh, throughout the season, you want, especially when the plants are growing and when they're bearing fruit or bearing flowers, but near the end of the season, even with your perennials, you want to start to you know, tuck them into bed. So you want to start to scale down 
the feeding. Sometimes, uh, you know, late in August is a good time. You don't really want to be feeding them because you want them to eventually go dormant to right. survive the winter. With vegetables, of course, that, that doesn't matter. Right, we, so we annuals. keep feeding our annuals, our vegetables, our flowers, even our lawns, right? We feed them right through till winter yeah. almost. Well, with the, with the lawns, we actually yeah. suggest the fall feeding. Sure. So give it some nourishment so that it could get a good, healthy start in the, in the springtime. Good stuff. Um, yeah, and in terms of the only things, really, you could feed everything, and everything certainly could use a, a dose. Uh, it's just really the degree. So right. things, light feeders, things, let's say, like herbs in your vegetable garden, those things you don't really want to feed too much. Another thing is that with certain flowers, you want to get, you, you likely want to get a blend that's that's tailored towards it. So there's rose flower food, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, other ones are acid-loving plants. So you want to get get a special with a higher nitrogen content for those. Right. Yeah. So it, there is um, rational reasons sometimes for the specialty fertilizers because they are designed, like you said, scientifically and chemically designed to support the plant growth required by those plants. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Thank you so much, Sid. Thank you, Charlie. I appreciate you coming on the show. It's such a pleasure to hear you hear you over the radio. I've certainly met you many times in real life, but thanks again. And Sid, you taught me a lot about the need to feed. The need to feed. Thanks, Robert. I just want to just quickly thank you, um, Charlie, for all of your help. Uh, Charlie does our our booth at Canada Blooms every year. She does the flowers. And if you ever come by the the Scotts Miracle Grow booth at Canada Blooms, it looks fantastic. Everyone comments on it, and it's really because of Charlie and her amazing designs. So I was going to say, oh, thank you, Sid. My pleasure. And we'll see you at Canada Blooms again, a few, just a few months away. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. In the meantime, enjoy your garden. Okay, you too. Okay, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye, Sid. You supply the what and where, and she'll come through with the how. You're listening to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. AM740, and Charlie Dobbin is here. Um, We've got a few callers on the line. Joan has been hanging on for about 25, 26 minutes, but Charlie, you have something to do. I have one quick thing I wanted to share with you, relevant to what Sid was just telling us from Scott's about the importance of micronutrients and Mm -hmm. essential nutrients for the growth of plants. Uh, You may have heard me speak about this with Frank in the past, but not only are minerals your garden's best friend, but they're good for you too, which is what Sierra Sil, a natural mineral formula, is all about. It's proven to be effective against aches and stiffness. It makes gardening and other activities and chores a whole lot easier. Uh, The company is located in Vancouver. They are there almost 24-7, but they're definitely there now. So you can give a call, ask questions, 1-877-JOINT-14, or check them on the web, sierrasill.ca. And the reason that it's called Joint 14 is it usually takes about 14 days for it to really kick in. Well, what it is is it, it doesn't, they never have claimed that it works for everybody, but the main thing they claim is that you will feel a difference within 14 days. Yeah. So if you haven't felt a difference within 14 days, then it's a guarantee money back. Well, you can't lose. Exactly. Yeah. It's worth a try. If you've got any, you know, and we do, <laughs> whether it's, you know, wrists or fingers or knees, there's always something, you know, Yeah, a my knee achy. could use a little Sierra. So I think. <laughs> you think? Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'll, I'll see if my friends at Sierra say, we'll, we'll front you a bottle and you can okay. try. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Let's see what Fran, what's going on with, oh, not Fran, with Joan. Joan. Yeah. Yeah. Good morning, Joan. Good morning. You've been waiting a long time, and thank you for doing that. Charlie's with you right now. What's going on with your garden? Uh, I was gifted with a beautiful plant, a mm-hmm. tibushino, or however you say it, and it has lovely velvety leaves on it and beautiful purple flowers. But I left it in the original pot and have it in a planter. The leaves are going yellow on me, 
even though I water it some days two, three times, and the roots are coming through on the bottom of the pot. Hmm. It's interesting. I, I, th- I think I'm visualizing the plant you're talking about, but the name doesn't sound familiar. Did it have a tag in the pot? Is that why you're saying? Yes, I have tibush- it in my hand. Okay, can you spell that for us? T-I-B-O-U-C-H-I-N-A. I-N-A, hmm. Tibushina. And yet you find that the, le- the leaves are turning yellow. Well, okay, right away. You said roots are growing out the bottom of the pot. Mm-hmm. That tells us this is a pot-bound plant, meaning mm-hmm. the pot is full of roots. There's, as the pot's fill up with roots, the soil tends to disappear. So your need to water a couple times a day is never good. I mean, who wants to be a slave to the garden that badly? So what I would suggest is a bigger pot some fresh potting soil. The plant comes out of the existing pot, of course, nice, moist, fresh potting soil in the bigger pot. Loosen roots uh, when you pop it into the bigger pot. Even trim some roots if you find that it's just a massy, you know, gnarly mass. Many times some of the, the tropical plants will grow far more, more roots than what they need to have. So a little trim of the roots into a fresh pot with fresh soil, uh, a thorough watering once. Now, literally, off the top of my head, does it say on that little tag whether it's a plant that likes sun or likes shade? or full does it sun. say Full sun. Full so that's sun. why you've got it out in the sun, obviously. Yes, I do. All right. So that's going to be your, your only thing is to keep it in that sunny location, uh, water as required. I've been watering daily in this heat. Actually, my, my sweetheart has been watering daily in this heat while I was off cottaging, but nevertheless... Is that your husband or someone else you don't want to talk about? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> one of my many... No, that's my sweetheart husband. Okay. He's been uh, looking after the pot, because all the pots, no matter how big they are, they're overflowing with plants, they're full, they need to be watered daily. Yeah. So, yes, but don't be, you don't want to be doing anything two or three times a day. So get a pot big enough that you don't have to do that. That would be my suggestion. Uh, A transplant or a quick start fertilizer that Sid was referring to helps a plant get established more quickly, get some roots out more quickly, which can make a difference in all this heat. We don't want to crank a lot of fertilizer on any of our plants when it's this hot. The main thing is just make sure the water, no plant is suffering for lack of water. But now can this plant be brought in in the fall? Uh, very good question. Well, yes, it can. Uh, it's um, any any plant can be brought in in the fall. Um, it, but it's it's almost like a, a hibiscus mm-hmm. that the flowers on it are beautiful, but they only bloom like for one day. Mm-hmm. And but there's it's multiple flowers on on the plant. Um, right. Well, you know, it's like uh, day um, daylilies. They only flower for one day as well, right? So that that tends to happen, but I'm just, you know, this is a plant I'm not so familiar with. Can you tell? So uh, what I'll do is I'm going to report back. You keep listening. Yeah. I'm going to report back all everything you need to, need to know about fall care of this plant and winter care if you just keep listening right after the break. Okay. Thanks so much for your call. Thank you. Charlie will have all that after we do this. Friends say she's down to earth, and that's usually where you'll find her. Welcome back to the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, brought to you by Scott's. And we are back, and Charlie is uh, searching the internet <laughs> and looking up all kinds of information about a tibuchina. For or, yeah, or tibuchina. Yeah, hard to say. Tibuchina. It, it turns out, um, Joan was absolutely right. I mean, this is a, an indoor plant. It's grown for summer interest uh, from South, South America originally. Yep. Very fuzzy leaves, purple flowers. 
It will need to obviously be brought in to survive the winter if she wants to keep it alive. Look at how pretty oh, yeah. those flowers are. So she did spell it for us, T-I-B-O-U-C-H-I-N-A. Anybody wants to look it up? Bottom line, bring it. the way we bring any plants in to our homes to save them from frost is, particularly if they're in full sun, is we don't go directly from outside to inside. You start by bringing that plant into the shade for a good two weeks outside before it comes inside, just to lower the light levels on the plant. Yeah, because you're shocking it otherwise. Because when we bring it in, even when we put it in a window facing south, it's still a lot less light indoors than there is outdoors. So we harden plants off to take them out in the spring, and we prepare them or harden them off to take them in in the fall. So that's what I would say. Round about the end of August, move that plant into a shady location, keep it outdoors for a couple of weeks. Then it's a very thorough soap wash clean, you know, bathing of the plant before it comes in uh, and it goes into the brightest, sunniest possible window that uh, that's available, preferably a southern window. Keep it in that and you expect a few leaves to drop. They will. Mm-hmm. Older leaves will drop. The main thing is you want to see new growth. It'll come slowly in the fall, but as long as the plant stays green, stays in the sun, only water as required. None of this daily watering anymore when plants yeah. are indoors. Yeah. Feel with your fingers if necessary. Well, I hope that helps you. Yes, I hope that that helps too. And that's an interesting plant. I, I didn't know anything about it. See if we have time to talk to Fran. Yeah, Fran is calling from Oakville. And Fran, good morning to you. Thanks. Morning. Good morning. Good. How are you? Oh, very well. Thank you for calling AM740. I enjoy 740. the show. Well, Thank you. Oh, I ha- I, my question is I have... Um, a pot with uh, three oriental lilies. Um, they were in bloom when I bought it, so I left them in the pot, mm-hmm. and the blooms have all gone, and the, the leaves are beginning to dry out, mm-hmm. but I, I've kept it, uh, the soil moist. Good. Right, so what do I do now? So clip off the dead flowers. Yes, I've done that. Perfect. So you've got the three stalks with the little short green leaves, and they're right. starting to fade down, which is fine. The plant is going to go dormant. Mm-hmm. The bulb will stay alive. Right. Your challenge right now is to find a spot in the garden mm-hmm. that is well-drained, yeah. preferably full sun, Yeah. and you're going to dig a hole and just take everything out of that pot and put it into the ground and firm it over. Now, you're going to plant it deeper in the ground than it is in the pot right now. The lilies should go down at least five, six inches uh-huh. uh, from top of soil to bottom of bulb. Yeah. And in the pot, it's probably only three or four inches deep because right. they're not typically in huge pots. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. Should I do it now or wait? Up to you. You can do it now if you just find it's too hot and the last thing you want to do is go dig a hole in the garden right, right now. Yeah. Wait a couple of weeks. Just mm-hmm. keep the plant, keep the pot outside, yeah. water as necessary, yeah. expect it to go dormant, mm-hmm. uh, and, and just let that whole process happen slowly. But surely you can plant it in the fall if you want. Mm-hmm. Main thing Can is, I put the, um, the, the bulbs the same way they are, as close as they are in the pot, or should I spread them you out? You could or? spread them out a little bit. Yeah. They're yeah. probably only about, you know, an inch or two apart, and you could yeah. certainly have them more than that, three or four, even five inches apart. Yeah, okay. All right. Fine. Perfect. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you, Fran, for calling, and thanks to our other callers. I was dying to get to Madeline and her cucumbers, but I don't <laughs> think we have time. Well, we'd, let's see if we Maybe can do, we do If Bob asks his cherry tree question really fast, okay, we'll do Bob, our best. What's going on with your cherry tree? <laughs> Bob? There you are. Morning. Good morning. Hi. What's happening with your cherry tree, Bob? It's growing too big. Uh-oh. Oh, that happens. <laughs> uh, I planted uh, both a cooking cherry and a Montmorency, the mm-hmm. red and white uh, cherries. Mm-hmm. And the the eating cherry tree has just mushroomed. It's mm. like uh, up above the roof of the house. And uh, I don't know if it was because of all the rain we had this year or not, but neither tree had any cherries to speak of on it. 
Well, it would have gone back to the flowering because remember, you won't without flowers, you won't get cherries, and then still there needs to be cross pollination. Are they brand new trees? Have you just planted? Oh, no, 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 uh, no. I've lived here for about twenty five years. Right, and you've had cherries in the past. Oh. It's usually loaded. Okay. But that's, again, the cycle of life. We don't, we never see fruit trees particularly bear heavily year after year after year. They will always have some light years in amongst the heavy years. Exactly. And it was obviously taking some of that energy to grow an awful lot of branches and stems and leaves, as you point out. Mm -hmm. Trimming of the cherry, it will get big. You can't do anything about it. But if you're going to do any trimming at all, it happens next February or March. Oh, February or March. So very early spring. In the fall. Nope. Very early spring is when we get out and trim our fruit trees. Well, so, I don't need to trim. I need to hack some of these things <laughs> off because they're like six inches in diameter. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, arbor, mm. arborists, certified arborists, uh, you can look at com, which stands for the International Society of Arborists. Okay. Always, always, particularly with big trees and important trees. Cherries are a beautiful tree. You don't oh. really want to hack it. You'd rather have it done properly. Spend the hundred bucks or the hundred and fifty bucks and get it done right would be my suggestion. Well, yeah. if, if I was uh, to have it done, mm-hmm. um, I've had some people say you have to uh, either spray paint it no, or no. coat it with something. No, we used to do that. Pruning paint's a thing of the past. Don't even think about pruning paint. A proper clean cut on a healthy tree will seal itself. The wound will heal. So even not to worry. The six inch. Yep. Even if, but it's got to be cut in the right spot in order to I do the healing. I was thinking about taking up off the top third. I mean, this thing, I've got a two-story house here, and this thing is up above the roof. Let the arborist tell you how to do it best and where to trim it to get it down to a regular, a proper size. That would be my suggestion. Okay. Thanks so much, and good luck with that, Bob. Okay. And hey, Robbie. We've wrapped it up already. We ha- where did that hour go? I don't know. <laughs> like, Must have been the vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and you thought it was water. <laughs> yes. Madeline, sorry we didn't get to you and your cucumbers, but maybe next Saturday. You know what's one of the mantras? Call early, call often. Yes, All that's right. very true. Thanks, Robbie. We'll Thank see you, you again next week. I'll be here. Perfect. Thanks. And- Dave. Dave and the guys are yeah. here all about the cars. And is news coming up, Dave? Yep. Yeah, so Bob uh, Bob Shepard's on with the news, That's and then right. the car, crazy car guys will be up. <laughs> well, and I'll be back at you at 11 o'clock with uh, lots of music Excellent. here on AM740. And I'll see you next week. You bet. Thanks, Charlie. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.